Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. When I was telling Charlotte this week that we were doing church live with our huge congregation of three over here and one there and three there and four there, she said, no retakes. I said, no retakes. So here we are in this beautiful sanctuary that is anticipating you in these seats and the spot you long to return to or perhaps a new seat or continuing online. The gift, if there is a gift out of COVID, is that we will remain connected either physically or online. And we are so glad. In life, there are retakes. It's always a retake with God. We go along, we fall, God picks us up, brushes us off and moves us along. God of the retakes, we give thanks. Let us pray. We simply breathe. And with each breath that we take, we are reminded you love. We simply breathe. And in our intake and our outtake, We give thanks, O God, for your love and your grace. Be among us wherever we are, however we are, that we might learn and unlearn, and in doing so, know you. Amen. So, truth is, I've uh, struggled a bit this week about the sermon. Uh, I really didn't want to do a sermon on bargaining with God. Bargaining with God fits in this series we're doing on good grief. And I tried a bit of bargaining. I said to Andrea, Andrea, I'll switch you to Sundays. Come on. Nope. I said to Anne, Anne, I promise I'll clean your office. You do the sermon? Nope. I said to Sarah, Sarah, I'll do the happenings if you do the sermon. Nope. There was no deal to be made by anyone. No one wanted to stand here and talk about bargaining, including me. Now, here you are perhaps changing the channel already on YouTube. The people here are stuck in their pews. And I still say to myself, bargaining with God, how does that work? Is that important? What do I need to learn about it or unlearn about it? Bargaining with God. So if you're familiar with the series we're doing on good grief, we're working through, if you will, the stages or phases or the understanding of how grief works and good grief works. You know, beginning with shock, and then last week a fabulous look at anger with Andrea. And then slips in this piece called bargaining. Now it's not necessarily phases, one to the other, and a bingo, a prize, we're all fixed at the end, but rather a smattering. We tend to move forward and backward and sideways as we move through the phases of grief. It's really, I'd say, learning to live with grief. And I've said it many times over the last two years, we're living in what I would call corporate grief. And lots of us don't have the skills or awareness to consider what we're really feeling during this time. Whether it's coming out of COVID and the myriad of experiences of loss, or suddenly the end, so to speak, of COVID and the reality of a war that we're watching in our news, we are living in a time of loss and grief. And bargaining certainly is part of it. 
You see, bargaining comes after this experience of anger. When we have had the righteous anger, the rage that comes from us as a blessing, Andrea said last week, it comes after that when we slump down in our chair and there's a sense of resignation or perhaps desperation. And it's in that place of desperation that we fall into this place of bargaining, perhaps bargaining with God. I think if we're honest, we've all done it. I sure remember the day I sat about to write a test, bargaining with God that if God could help me through that test at school, I'd go to church the following week. I certainly remember as a teenager eyeing someone in particular and bargaining with God that if there's some way that God could have us magically meet, I would gladly clean out the garage at home. We do these when we're children and teens, and when we get older, we continue this, do we not? Some have said, God, make this marriage work, and I will. God, change this medical report, and I will. God, find me a parking spot. I'm late, and I will. God, give me some sleep, and I will. God, make this a negative COVID test. I've got a holiday planned, and I will. God, please, God, forsake. God, change the war in Ukraine, and I will. I believe at some level all of us have this transactional understanding of God where I'll do this and you do that and we got a good deal. Shake on it. We have this idea that if we live a certain way, God's going to reward us in some way. It's kind of like God becomes this grand banking machine. You insert your card and out comes the cash. There's a transactional nature to who we see God is, and I think it's rooted in this understanding that we could and might as well try what the heck bargaining with God. I'll do this, you do that, and we got a deal. All of it, I believe, comes to invite us to consider, well, if God's not a banking machine or someone we can make a deal with, who is God? And in lots of ways, that's what we've been exploring during this understanding of Lent. If you remember on the first Sunday, I said, where is God? Who is God is the ultimate question of the Lenten journey. For me, it was in my 20s that this question became very real when I was trundling along in a beautifully perfect life and suddenly the rug pulled out of my understanding of God in life when my 27-year-old brother was suddenly dead. It was that very same year that this book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, by Rabbi Harold Kushner dropped into the world and into my life. And it was that book which helped me reorient myself about who God is and who I am. You see, Rabbi Kushner was wrestling with the story about the death of his own son, Aaron, in a degenerative disease. And he was wondering to himself, if this is God and God can't fix this, then who is God anyway? And he wrestles through the book of Job from our scriptures to, to wonder about what happens to Job and who is God. And it comes down ultimately to a question, is God all-powerful or all-present? Is God a puppeteer with our lives on strings or is God simply present to us in our suffering? The question in this book is, where is God and who is God? And as I said two weeks ago, where is God is the ultimate question in the Auschwitz experience. And the answer coming from Elie Wiesel was, God is in the gallows. 
for the Christian story, who is God, the God of the cross is Jesus' experience. So where is God, who is God, if we're considering this whole understanding of bargaining? Well, you know me, if you know me, you know that I've got to find out what Richard Rohr has to say about this, and so here's the beautiful quote that helps me understand, if God is not all-powerful, but God is all-present, Kushner says, what is presence anyway? Rohr says, we cannot attain the presence of God. We cannot attain the presence of God. We are already totally in the presence of God. What is, what is absent is awareness. God is maintaining us in existence with every breath we take. As we take another breath, it means God is choosing us now, and now, and now. We have nothing to achieve or attain or even learn about God. We do, however, have to unlearn some things. We do, however, have to unlearn some things. I wonder if that's what all of this is about. It's not an achievement test, faith, but actually dropping and letting go of the falsehoods of an idea that we can bargain with God, that we can somehow get the right numbers in a combination and click, it'll open and we get our prize. I wonder if the reality of the presence of God is owning the fact that it's not about attaining presence, but recognizing we are already in the presence of God. You see, this little book changed my entire life because if I lived with a God who, who if I did the right things, good things would happen, my disappointment would be if I didn't believe in God. But if that was never the deal that God was offering, but rather a promise of presence, even in my sorrow and my struggle, even in when shift happens in life, there's a deeper truth and reality in that discovery. Not seeing God as Santa Claus or all-powerful, or not like me, which is even better, and that I can't manipulate God, puts me in a powerful place of presence, open-hearted, open-handed, open eyes, open soul to the power and presence of God. What do we have to unlearn? What do we have to unlearn about God? James Finley says, God protects us from nothing, and God is present in everything. God protects us from nothing, but God is present in everything. You know, the text that Pam read a moment ago is this same question 2,000 years ago when people were wondering about who God is and if, if certain people sin, what kind of punishment comes to them. And they basically say to Jesus, so the, the, the Tower of Siloam that fell and killed those 18 people, they were real sinners. They, they were schmucks. God, God really took them down, eh? And Jesus' response says, no, Repent. And if you don't repent, you will indeed die. What I think Jesus is saying in this word is repent of that thought. Repent means turn around. Repent means change, metanoia, turn in a new way. I wonder if in this text, first time I've thought of it this way, I wonder if Jesus is saying to him, you've got to unlearn this kind of thinking. 
You've got to repent of this idea that God decides to kill people or God has a grading system of sin and who's not sinners. Repent of this thought is what I believe this text is inviting us to. Repent or unlearn these things, Richard Rohr says. You've got to unlearn these childish, silly things about who we imagine God to be and go to a deeper sense of God being present to us in all of it. I wonder right now whether Christianity is going into a great unlearning. People are abandoning the institution because what the institution has said just doesn't make sense. But I wonder if we need to unlearn bad theology. I wonder if we have to unlearn the simplistic understanding of who God is and dive deeper to an understanding of God as presence. I wonder if Jesus was saying to those folks that day, repent, unlearn that kind of thinking. I wonder if it shifts God from the clouds as a puppeteer to God who is present in our breath, the God who weeps with us when we weep, God whose heart breaks when our heart breaks, the God who is present in all of life. It shifts completely your understanding of who the world is and who God is and who we're called to be. One of my favorite writers, Frederick Beekner, who I've been reading for years and years in a book called Beyond Words, has this beautiful quote about 9-11. It goes back a bit, I know, in time. But he takes a word and he explores it, and the word is disaster. He writes these words. On the evening of the day the World Trade Center was destroyed by terrorists, a service was hastily improvised in one of New York's largest churches where crowds of both believers and non-believers came together in search of whatever it is people search for at times like this. A word of reassurance, some glimmer of hope. The speaker stood up and said, at times like these, God is useless. When I first heard of that, it struck me as appalling. And then it struck me as very brave. And finally, it struck me as very true. When horror happens, we can't use God to make, the, make them unhappen anymore. Unhappen anymore. Then we can use a flood of light to put out a fire or Psalm 23 to find your way home in the dark. All we can do is draw close to God and to each other as best we can. The way those stunned New Yorkers did. And to hope that, although God may well be useless when all hell breaks loose, there is nothing that happens, not even hell, where God is not present with us and for us. Beekner is same thing, saying the same thing Rohr is saying. God can't change what already happened. We need to unlearn unhealthy images of God. And all of these speak to the reality of our experience right now. Bargaining with God is folly, but deepening our sense of presence is where we will ultimately discern and know the presence of God. It's a lot of words. I don't know about you, but every day when I look at what's going on in Ukraine, I am baffled. Tears drop on my phone as I read stories, as I hear on the radio news. I just can't fathom what's happening in 2022. 
I'm not really a Facebook person, but when I was scrolling along, I came across this beautiful piece. It's a child's understanding, taken, viewed in a bomb shelter. As there she is in this scene, you'll see in a moment, family and friends, 150 crammed in a bomb shelter. She stands and she sings a beautiful song called Let It Go. And this let it go is perhaps what all of these theologians are trying to say. And a theologian child decides to sing. I invite you to sing it. See it. saw that I imagined that being one of the kids in our kid space singing that song not in the peace and beauty of this sanctuary but in a bomb shelter in the Ukraine where is God God is in the gallows God is in the cross God is in the voice of a child singing in a bomb shelter God is the one who gives her breath to breathe and breath to sing for the wisdom of the people in that terrifying place to stop and listen and to trust. God isn't a puppeteer. God's not Santa Claus. God ultimately is presence beyond us and within us that gives us the very breath, one breath at a time, that is all the breath we need to step forward. Being reminded we are loved, forgiven, and set free. The big theological word for this letting go is the word grace. And it is amazing grace. It invites us and empowers us to do what we need to do for our neighbors, for our enemies, for all people and all beings so that God's love comes alive in our living. What do you need to unlearn? What do you need to learn? In your unlearning and your learning, may you know you are loved, held, and God's amazing grace 
will lead you home. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.